Nothing surprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there Who are working hard to get better While balancing running with the rest of their lives And today we have our final episode of the Mastering 40 series, a journey that I started last year around this time where I was dead set on rebounding from the worst athletic year of my life, one that was beset by injuries and (laughs) a whole variety of things. And I was so excited to go on a new journey and become the runner that I always knew I could become. So that was the genesis of all the stuff that came uh, throughout this year. And while this year didn't... uh, (laughs) Didn't quite turn out the way I had hoped, that's for sure. I figured we should put a bow on it anyway and really see what exactly I've learned through this and then what I can take from it moving forward. And hopefully maybe you can learn from some, learn from some of this as well. So just as a refresher, things were going pretty well. And then on February 9th, I hurt my knee uh, and it kind of caused me to not run for three straight months, which really just kind of... <laughs> halted the Mastering 40 journey right in its tracks. Uh, There was no way I was going to break 40 in the 10K after not running for three months. And um, that's just the way it goes, because it was going to be a really, really hard goal to reach, even if everything had gone perfectly. And obviously, not running for three months is the exact opposite of that. So with all of that being said, uh, about six, seven weeks ago, I was finally cleared to start running again, uh, and I've been building up from that. So if you heard my episode previously with Dr. Dwayne Scotty, we talked about the the rehab that I was doing to kind of get my legs back in the mix um, to come back from my knee bursitis. And one of the things that he stressed was basically that recovery in and of itself is not going to be you know, this isn't going to solve the problem. I shouldn't say recovery. I really mean just rest. Just resting is not going to solve the problem. It's really about strengthening that area and doing so in a way that will allow me to continue to exercise or begin exercising again uh, while also making sure that we're tending to the things that we need to do, which was great. And that was a wonderful appointment with him down in New Haven, Connecticut, which is about two hours from me. But boy, was it worth the trip. That's for sure. And since then, Things have been going really, really well. So over the last six or seven months, I built up really just a a stark contrast in terms of um, previous years in terms of coming back from injury. So basically the idea being that I have really haven't done a ton of workouts uh, since I've come back, but really have upped the mileage. I wouldn't say aggressively, but more aggressively than I than I would have in the past with the idea of, hey. I'll take two rest days a week, not rest days, but basically Sunday is rest day, Wednesday is a rest day where I'm not running, but I am doing a lot of my PT work. So that really leads to five days of running per week. And it has gone really well. So the focus has been on aerobic development. And that is something that for me really needs to be paramount. So in the past, I've been pretty good at the speed stuff, being a former college basketball player and someone who's run track in the past. I've always loved doing the speed stuff in part because I've always done it fairly well. And for me, the aerobic development has always really lagged behind. Um, even in my most fit I've ever been, the aerobic development was way, way down the list of, of what I was pretty good at, relatively speaking, compared to people who I would be running with um, from time to time. So 
in the end, I just really want to focus on that right now. So I've done a complete refresh in terms of, all right, I just want to like run for me. I'm not going to be pushing any significant like hardcore goals out there in the world, which is the exact opposite of what I was doing last year. Um, and really trying to build up the aerobic side of things. And on this show, we've talked to uh, several different people who focused in 800 meters and and, and, uh, and milers as well. And even for them, building up the aerobic base is so important. Not even aerobic base, just aerobic capacity, right? So, you know, for a miler, like 90% of what they're doing in their race, which is roughly four minutes long, is about their aerobic system, not their anaerobic system. So if that's what is the the... the the necessity for a miler who is really putting the pedal to the metal wasn't mean for someone like me who's training for 10Ks and half marathons and hopefully a marathon. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Obviously, that is by far the most important thing. Not to say that speed work isn't important and running fast isn't important because it definitely is not only in terms of the systems that it works, but the, mer- the neuromuscular benefit of just putting the pedal to the metal and becoming a more efficient runner. But the thing is that I just really need to focus on the aerobic work. So that is exactly what I'm doing right now. So the buildup has gone from 14 miles and then 24 miles and then 30, 31, 33, 41. So pretty quick. I mean, I did 41 miles last week. That was the first time I've done 40 miles uh, in the past year and a half. I mean, I should have done a couple 40-mile weeks in January. If you listen to one of those episodes, uh, right before I got hurt, uh, James McCurdy and I were talking about how I wasn't quite doing some of the cool downs and I was running coming at like 35 to 38 miles a week, not the 40 or 41. So it's not like I hadn't had 40 miles on schedule before, but I hadn't really, um, I didn't just didn't do the work, frankly. So I'm up to doing it now, but even more so than just the mileage has been the time on feet. So I just gave you the miles. So it went from, once I got cleared, 14 to 24 to 30, 31, 33, 41 was the six weeks of mileages after I got cleared. And this week, it's a little bit more of a down week, doing 41 last week, going a little bit down this week to about 32-ish, and then bouncing back up to the 40s next week. And we'll kind of keep it there for a while. Time on feet-wise, this has been a, a huge difference. So time on feet for me is not something I've really cared about in the past, but I've, I've been thinking about it more because some of this mileage has been hard for me just to finish because I just haven't been super fit. I haven't been doing these things, but I'm not putting the pedal to the metal. I'm running easy. I mean, some of these times I'm running like 11-minute pace, uh, but ultimately, I just want to get it done because I want to get the adaptations that come with easy running and putting in the time. So in terms of time on feet, it was two, min- two hours and 24 minutes and then four hours and then four hours and 47 minutes and then five hours, then six hours and then six hours and 46 minutes. To put that in perspective, I went through Strava, which basically catalogs my last five years of running or so. Um And last week was the most time on feet I'd ever put in any week ever. Six hours and 46 minutes. So not the most mileage, but it was close. But not the most mileage, but time on feet, no doubt about it. And that was because just getting used to being on my feet for that long and putting in those slow, easy miles. Again, not that I'm trying to be slow, but that's kind of just where I am right now. And I'm okay with that. And ultimately, putting in that time on feet is going to be really helpful because 
that's where this is all, you know, leaning towards is that I want to start running marathons again. I've done two in my life, but they were both a decade ago. And my lack of consistency has really stopped me from being able to really embrace that distance. And that's just what I want to put it into. So I wasn't able to put in the consistency this year that I was so excited to do. It just didn't come to fruition. Just random stupid injuries again. And that was one of those things where, again, last episode I touched on this, that was my fault, right? This wasn't like throwing out my back, opening my daughter's window, which I did a couple of years ago, which you could you could say is my fault too. But this was more of like, hey, you need to strengthen your legs and your hips and your glutes. And if you don't do that, then you will get hurt. And that was just the, what happened to me. And that's just something that can be solved so easily. And today's my PT day. I'll do all my PT exercises in hopes of staying um, a healthy runner. And that's exactly why I'm doing it. But ultimately, getting that time on feet, getting that aerobic capacity, really humming is something that, first of all, it takes a long time. So it's, it's not like getting back in um, game shape where, say, you're playing a certain sport and it's, it's pretty anaerobic and you can spend a few weeks really putting in the time on the track or doing sprint work and really build that anaerobic capacity. The aerobic capacity takes a lot longer uh, to build up. And that that's just the way it goes. And I'm fine with it because ultimately it's kind of like the Ryan Holiday book, Obstacles the Way. For me, this has been the obstacle all along, and I just haven't embraced it with both hands um, in the past. And that's exactly what I'm going to do now. So I'm really excited about that. Um, one of the things that's changed for me is buying this Whoop strap. So Whoop does not sponsor this podcast, but they sponsor a lot of other podcasts. Maybe they'll sponsor my podcast one day. But I wanted to get a Whoop strap because I've seen how other people are using it and recovery for me has been this situation where I've always known that I don't recover as well as I should, whether that's sleep or diet and nutrition or various other things. But it was always this kind of amorphous thing because it wasn't, you know, tangible within like a metric setting. So I got this whoop strap really for accountability. So measuring my sleep recovery and heart rate variability, heart rate variability being a metric that really kind of can dissect, all right, how how exactly are you recovering from your workouts? And that has been a revelation for me because it really has basically put it front and center in terms of making sure I'm sleeping more, which frankly is easier to do in the summer. And that has been, um, you know, kind of a, a blessing as well. So I am going to bed earlier and I'm sleeping later. So I've been sleeping really well lately, which has been a huge thing. Another thing that affects heart rate variability is alcohol consumption. So from an alcohol perspective, I can't even remember the last time I was drunk. I mean, maybe it was three years ago. I have no idea. It's just that's just not something I do anymore. Um, but with that said, I do cons- I have consumed, you know, alcohol alcohol regularly for a long time. So basically, every single night I'll have one drink, maybe two. And I've been doing that for years. I think looking through twenty twenty one, not that not not looking through. I don't log it. <laughs> in a journal or anything. But if you look back at 2021, it's like there was before, basically a couple weeks ago, I think there would be like three or four days all year that I hadn't had a drink. So it's not something that I was worried about from an addiction perspective or anything like that. But it does affect heart rate variability and it does affect recovery. And that's something that I had never considered. I really had never considered that as um, a potential hurdle to achieving my goals. But I cut out alcohol um, basically unless we're at like a family event. Um, So 
the past, let's say here, last week or a week and a half, maybe the last nine days, I think. I think it's been nine days since um, I started this. I had alcohol one day. It was a Sunday dinner uh, at my mom's house, which is a pretty regular occurrence in terms of family dinners. Uh, I did have a couple glasses of wine there, but I haven't had any other alcohol the entire time. And let me tell you, my heart rate variability scores show it. And that's pretty exciting because it's one thing to have this idea of like, oh, if I do this, this is how it's going to affect it. This is why I love Inside Tracker. It's so great to have the metrics for things that you really can't tell just by kind of living your life, right? Like you don't know if you're low in vitamin D just by walking around. You don't know what your your ferritin levels are or your iron or your testosterone. That's why Inside Tracker is so valuable. I've always worked with them just as a client, even if they weren't sponsoring the podcast, which they are. But before they sponsored the podcast, I was working with them anyway because for the same reason I'm using Whoop right now is that putting metrics to things that aren't readily apparent to us in our day-to-day lives can be so valuable. And that's exactly why I have this Whoop strap and why I'm not going to take it off for a long time because this thing really works. And I can tell that it's helping me by measuring this data. Now, it's uh, one of those things where it's not going to be the cure-all, right? Like it's not, it's not a silver bullet solution to training or anything like that. Um, but it is a nice piece, definitely a nice tool in the toolbox to help me make sure that I'm on the right path and doing the things or controlling the things that I can control to become the runner and athlete that I want to be. Now, I'm not going to live a monastic life, right? <laughs> like monks live in monasteries. I don't live in one of those. I live in a house with a wife and two kids and two dogs, and uh, we all have our crazy lives. So it's not as if I'm never going to consume alcohol again. It's not as if I'm only going to sleep, you know, great every single night. No, no, no. That's that's not going to be the case. But I do want to be able to control the things when I can control them. And that is exactly why I'm doing some of these things now. And that was one of the things that that I didn't quite grasp the first time around. So this whole year... I, from a training perspective, I was really happy with what I did. I wasn't happy with what I did from a strength perspective. From a diet and nutrition perspective, I was pretty good. Uh, it was, wasn't great, but it was solid. Um, but then from a recovery perspective, I really didn't make any changes. And that was definitely not what I should have done. So um, I'm excited to change that moving forward. And I think that that will make a huge, huge difference. So... What am I going to do moving forward? Well, got a couple of things coming up. So um, Richmond Half Marathon in November and the California International Marathon in December. So at Richmond, which is the Richmond uh, Richmond Marathon, Richmond Half Marathon, they have an 8K as well. We're going to be doing some live shows over there. We're going to make the full announcement on that in a couple of months in terms of who we're going to be doing it with and the times and locations and all that. I'm so pumped. Also, California International Marathon going back went a couple of years ago simply to do live shows at the expo and planning on doing that again. But this time I'm going to be running that sucker and I am so excited to make that happen. And this time I'm going to make sure that I'm training right. I'm not going to spend a ton of time really hardcore focused on the, you know, the speed stuff and, you know, making sure that like I'm as fast as I possibly can be because ultimately for me, I've seen in the past that that's not that's not the way for me. I mean, my last marathon buildup, I I love my coach, who's Bob Rothenberg, who's a longtime coach at Brown University. Awesome, awesome guy. And I remember 
I just didn't have the aerobic capacity to run the to run the time that you would have expected from my workout. So I was doing like my track workouts and and faster stuff with like the 305 marathon group. And I was training for like a 330 marathon. And it just shows you that I wasn't dialing in the part of the process that I really needed to. And this wasn't his fault. This was my fault because I really wanted to push it on those days. And that was really exciting for me. But doing stuff where it's like, hey, walking rest uh, between between reps and sets and things like that, that's not the kind of stuff that's going to work for me. For me, I need to be jogging rest and really building up as much aerobic capacity as I can be and really from a speed perspective, not doing a whole lot faster than the threshold pace unless it's strides, which really isn't part of a workout. It's just more of, hey, dialing in some of that speed stuff and efficiency. But when it comes to really doing workouts, focusing on threshold pace and slower that will be the key for me because not only from a genetic standpoint where I'm, you know, I'm more positively predisposed to the faster end, but I just haven't done that work consistently at all for a long time. And that's by choice because a lot of the time I've been focusing on 5Ks. So this wasn't a dereliction of coaching in any sense of the word. It's just I haven't focused on longer stuff in so long that I haven't tested myself in that capacity. So over the next six months, I'm really going to focus on that end of the spectrum. And I'm excited to see how it goes. And for me, it's going to mean, you know, I just like doing faster workouts. That's what I enjoy. So I'm going to have to really figure out. You know, where am I going to be running? Am I maybe doing some more trail running or doing different kinds of um, different kinds of routes? Because I'm going to be doing runs that in the past don't make me as excited as the faster stuff. But so I think trying to make sure that I'm keeping it fresh and keeping it fun while also embracing this other side uh, is going to be a valuable thing. Because if we're not truly loving and enjoying our hobbies. Then are they going to stick around, right? That's why they're a hobby. So you want to make sure that you're enjoying your hobbies. I say it to my runners all the time that if you're not enjoying this, find something else because there are so many other things to do. But I, I am liking things so far and I am excited to get it going. And I'm, and I'm excited to, to do these marathons and to really go into that stage of running because I have a lot of regret about how my my not just my first, my first marathon was kind of like on a lark, right? We've all, a lot of us have been there. We, we enter a marathon. We don't train the way we should. And it doesn't go great, right? That's just kind of the way it goes. The second marathon, I was really dialed in for, and I just didn't quite have the day that I wanted to have. And I have a lot of regret about that. So that's not to say that CIM is going to go perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. And it's not even about race day in that sense. It's more about making sure that I'm preparing in a way that I know will help me have the best day that I possibly can, given the circumstances and knowing, hey, <laughs> crazy things can happen on race day. Sometimes you just don't know and you can't eliminate all of that stuff. But I do want to make sure that I'm training the right way for me, given this stage of life that I'm in and given what I've been focusing on for a long period of time, namely the shorter stuff. So that will be really exciting. And I am um, just so pumped for all of that. And this summer has been pretty wild. I mean, I don't know what it's been like for you guys. I know the weather, <laughs> weather all over the country has just been so hard to predict. But uh, here in New England, specifically in Rhode Island, it's been so cool over the past couple weeks that running outside hasn't been that like crazy, crazy hot weather. We had one week that it was really tough and it was um, <laughs> really, really struggled that week. But over the past two and a half weeks, it's been pretty cool, thankfully. Like the week that I had, you know, 
was that? I had 33 miles. It took me six hours to do. And then last week, I had 41 miles. It took me almost seven hours to do. If those weeks were super hot, like it has normally been in July, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine how that would have felt. But luckily, it's been pretty cool. So I have been able to really take advantage of uh, of that positive because, um, hey, it's, again, sometimes you can't control the weather. But I mean, you can never control the weather, but you can control uh, the time of day you run and how you um, you know prepare for those days. But once you get hot on a run and once your elevate gets, heart rate gets elevated, you really can't bring it down. <laughs> you really can't. You can't just keep running and bring your heart rate down uh, once it's up there due to the heat and humidity. It just gets so, so tough. So thank you, everybody, for following me along or following along with me on this journey this past year. It certainly didn't conclude the way I had hoped. So many of you have been so thoughtful in your responses and your comments and your support all year. And I can't even tell you how much I've appreciated it. And then and just give a shout out to Inside Tracker and Prevenex. They've been there the whole time too. Inside Tracker has helped me with um, getting the ultimate tests for the 42 different biomarkers uh, that they test. That has been super duper helpful. Uh, you should really go check Inside Tracker out. They are so good. And not just for when things are going poorly. This is the one thing that you have to keep in mind. If you only test yourself when you're not feeling good, then you're not going to know your baseline levels. It's really good to, to test also when you're feeling great. That way you can say, hey, here are what my levels are when things are going really, really well. Then you can aspire to that because so much of this is so individualized and you really have to keep that in mind. I just had a conversation with Molly Bookmeyer last night about just kind of her her travails over the past year and a half. One of the things was her vitamin D was low. It was low for her. Her vitamin D level was on the lower side of normal for the general population, but she's out there doing 80-mile weeks and working during the day. So her, the demands she was putting on her body is different than other people. So for her, the vitamin D for her was low, and she didn't know that because she was just using that's a normal, you know, normal testing uh, platform and situation, and they didn't take into account her the individualized nature of what she was putting her body through. And that's why I love Inside Tracker for exactly that reason. And Prevenex as well. Prevenex has Joint Health Plus, which is a supplement that I have trusted for so long. And rightfully so. I mean, shoot, you guys are putting in reviews over on their site all the time after using my code. And I can tell you guys love it because they forward me the tech, the, the reviews all the time. And it's always such great stuff, which makes me so excited. And I got to see for myself because the MRI they put in my knee, uh, they said that everything on the inside of my knee looked absolutely perfect, which is amazing when you consider all the years of running and basketball I've been doing. And uh, hey, I'll take it. That's for sure. So big shout out to Prevenex and to Inside Tracker. Uh, all the codes and the links are in the show notes of this episode. They just, they're the real deal. They are absolutely the real deal. I think code for Inside Tracker is Rambling Runner, uh, and that will save you a bunch of dough, as well as Inside Tracker code is Runner15 to save you 15% on your first order. Um, beyond that, they've just been super supportive of me the whole time. And I think that just shows not only that, um, that I like what they're doing, but that they're just super, they're just, when you get to partner with people that have a good heart and really care about other people in the industry, it means so much. And I can't say that enough. And they've done exactly that. And I can't thank them enough. So thank you so much for listening for the final episode of the Mastering 40 series. I hope you have a great day and happy running.
This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.